Thank you, praise team. Thank you so much. Before I get into my uh, Father's Day message, I want to share just a uh, brief synopsis of what took place this, uh, this past week in Puerto Rico. Again, as everyone has said, thank you for supporting us and praying for us and sending us. Uh, when we got there, uh, we saw a, a blank canvas. Uh, the church had been destroyed in the uh, hurricane. Uh, other churches have come along beside Pastor Jose and helped rebuild that facility. Uh, they've uh, put a roof on it now. A church in South Carolina have been there three times to complete the roof. And uh, they've only been in the building now for a couple of weeks with the new roof. And so when we walked in, it was just, a, it was just an open floor space with, with nothing in there except for chairs. And so our construction crew built them a very nice stage. I mean, it is a good-looking stage that uh, they can use and be proud of. And we put it to the test Wednesday night uh, because we had probably about 30 people up on that stage and it didn't collapse. So we did good. We did good in building the stage. Right next to the stage, Pastor Jose wanted a, a office. And so part of our construction team built him an office. It's not much bigger than a broom closet. But he is so proud of that office, to have a place where he can go and pray and study. Uh, then in the back of the, uh, of the room, the sanctuary, uh, they wanted a sound booth, and so we built them a sound booth. Uh, they were so appreciative to everything that we did, and, and we'd ask them, they'd say, oh, you just do what, what you, you think is best, except for the sound guy. He had specs on what he wanted his sound booth to look like. And, uh, and we built it accordingly. And uh, then we built a, a bathroom for the church. Uh, they, di they didn't have a restroom. Here, here's the deal. Here's this building. Pastor Jose and his family live on one side. They have church on the other side. And so up until now, when they had church, the only bathroom was in Pastor Jose's house. And so the church people just marched right through his house <laughs> and went to the bathroom. But we built them a bathroom. Huh? That was great. And then we, we rewired the entire building. Uh, and it's a good thing that we did because two weeks ago they had an electrical fire in the uh, breaker box. So <laughs> West, our guys fixed all that. New wiring and uh, so proud of them. Also on the construction side, there was a, a widow lady in the church who had a small house and uh, she had asked Pastor Jose if there's any way uh, could we go and paint her house. And so a group of, of ladies and teens went and painted her house. And they discovered as they were painting the house uh, that this lady's daughter and brand new baby, her granddaughter, would be coming to live with them. And uh, Angie said, you know, they didn't have anything in there. They had a crib but no mattress and nothing else for this baby who's coming next week. And so our ladies went to Walmart and they fixed that lady up with uh, all kinds of baby things, mattress and, and, and blankets and towels and everything. Thank you, ladies, for doing that. That was awesome. And then on the ministry side, uh, we had uh, daily ukulele lessons by Brother Johnny and his ukulele band. Uh, so thankful that uh, Brother Johnny's son, Lucas Miller, gave the money to buy, uh, uh, I don't know how many ukuleles, 11 of them, and sent them over there. And so Brother Johnny gave out these ukuleles to the little kids in the church. And every day, these little kids came to the church, and uh, our ukulele band taught them 
how to play the ukulele, and Brother Johnny left them the ukuleles. Uh, we also fed homeless people. Now, many of you have been with us when we've gone downtown to feed homeless people. Let me tell you, it wasn't anything like what was done in Puerto Rico. Uh, I'll tell you what, we reached out with the hands and feet of Jesus and ministered to a lot of people in a very rough part of town. And then uh, uh, Wednesday night, we had church with them. And Angie's already mentioned that. I mean, it was a sweet worship service. And if you come back this Wednesday night, we are going to play the video of that service in Puerto Rico. And you don't want to miss it because it will be a blessing to you. And then the last night, Thursday night, we had a big outdoor carnival. Uh, Pastor Jose uh, got this, this big open park area. And uh, our people had been out every day passing out flyers, inviting those to come to the big carnival, and uh, Pastor Jose said he thought at least 300 kids were there at the carnival. So it was fantastic. It was a great event, and I know it, it uh, really, really helped his church out. All right, that's that. Uh, we're going to have a mission service on July 10th, coming up on a few weeks from now on a Wednesday night, where we'll give you greater details of our mission trip to Puerto Rico. Right now, I'm going to share with our fathers. Are you, are you a guy out there? Raise your hand if you're a guy. Hey, how about lifting up your mug here if you're a guy? Yeah. What a great gift. Isn't that great? Oh, Man. Yeah, I am tired. Y'all want to do the Jesus thing? I sit down, y'all stand. Man, we already talked about that. Didn't get a vote for it. Father's Day 2019, what does your cup say? Be strong and courageous. Guys, that's what I want to talk to you about today. Being a real man and standing for Christ and being courageous. No one ever wants to be called a coward, right? Uh, that's probably the, the most despised of all human qualities. And we will do almost anything to avoid being called a coward, Remember back when you were in school on the playground and somebody would dare you to do something? Okay? And chances are you would take that dare. If it was just a, a plain dare, just a dare, chances are you would do it. But if it was a double dog dare, <laughs> I mean, you had to do it. Yeah? Right? And we did crazy things. I mean, stupid things, dangerous things, life-threatening things. All because we didn't want to be called that dreaded word, chicken. Nobody wants to be called a chicken. We love courageous people. We despise cowardly people. And in our families, I believe most fathers want their wives and their children to see them as being courageous. Because that's what heroes are made of. Usually when we think of courage, we think of death-defying acts. We, we think of heroic sacrifices, like a fireman rushing into a burning building just to save a, a little baby. We think of soldiers falling on a grenade to save their buddy. We think of policemen in the line of fire taking a bullet to save someone's life. And all of those are courageous acts. You know what? Chances are none of us are ever going to be called on to do anything like that. And the truth is, it takes an enormous amount of courage just to face the challenges of ordinary life. It takes a lot of courage to live out and do the right thing without wimping out. 
Every day you're making choices. And every one of those choices reveal you to either be courageous or to be a coward. Here's what Jesus said in John 16, And I'm reading it out of the Holman Christian Standard Version today. Jesus said, you will have suffering in this world. It's not an option. Okay? It's going to happen. If you follow Jesus in this world, there will be persecution. There will be suffering. Mark it down. So you will have suffering in this world. But be what? Be courageous, Jesus said, because I have conquered the world. Some translation says, Jesus saying, I've overcome the world. And he has. Jesus has won every battle that could be fought. And in Jesus, we are more than conquerors. So, be courageous. Today, I want to get real with you men and look at how can I, as a man, as a husband, as a father, live more courageously? And this morning, I'd like to suggest to you three practical ways that you can develop your courage on a daily basis. The Bible tells us that we can be courageous by owning up, by standing up, and by speaking up. So let's look at these three things. Number one, I show courage when I own up to my own sin. And look at me, everybody, look at me. I intentionally chose the word sin. Because that is the one word that we want to avoid more than anything. And you know what? I know that because we'll call it anything but sin. We'll call it a blooper or a blunder or a character fault or a flaw or an oversight or a lack of judgment. But let's call it what the Bible calls it. The Bible calls it sin. And the Bible says we're all in the same boat when it comes to sin. For all have sinned. That means you. Look at your neighbors say, that means you. <laughs> now, after they slap you, look back at me. <laughs> it does. It means you. All of us have sinned. In fact, 1 John 1, 8 says, If we say that we have not sinned, the truth is not in us. Okay? And we are deceiving ourselves. He says, you're just kidding yourself. And nobody else. You, you don't kid anybody else when you claim perfection. Why? Because that verse says the truth is not in us. And, and we're just not being honest with ourselves. We're deceiving our own inner being. We are not telling ourselves the truth because we aren't perfect. All have sinned. But oh man, how we hate to admit our sin. We hate to admit it, I believe, because we are afraid other people are going to think less of us if we admit that we failed, that we've made mistakes, that we've sinned, that we have fallen short of God's standard. But the truth in all actuality is this. Being able to be honest about your sin, being able to say, you know what, I'm sorry, I was wrong. Forgive me. Or to say, you know what? That was my fault. Please forgive me. To be able to own up to your own personal sin is actually a mark of emotional health and spiritual health. Amen? Amen. And beyond all that, 
It's a mark of courage. It really does. It takes courage to admit your own faults. There are grown men who have never, ever been able to say, I'm sorry. I was wrong. You know what? That's not being courageous. That's being a coward. It's not really being a man. If, if you can't own up to your own sin, you're just being a coward. There may be people sitting here right now who have never, ever been able to utter those words out of their mouth. They have never, ever been able to say, I have sinned. Why? Because we don't like to own up to our own sins. So, the question comes down to this. What are you afraid to own up to? I mean, what is it in your marriage that you haven't owned up to, man? And you keep blaming your wife or your kids. The Bible says in Proverbs 28, 13, He who covers his sins will not prosper. That means that denial doesn't work in the long run. Oh yeah, you can wear a mask for a while, but in the long run, denial doesn't work. This inability to own up to personal sin and responsibility is the great destroyer of marriages. It is the great destroyer of relationships and even careers. The inability to say, you know what, that was my fault. I was wrong. Would you please forgive me? That has ruined more marriages than anything imaginable. And men in particular find this very difficult to do. How do I know that? Well, because I'm, I'm a guy. Okay? And if a guy gets lost on a trip with his family in the car, would he admit that he's lost? Well, no way. He's just taking a scenic tour. I wanted you kids to see that garbage can over there, you know? Paul could be honest with his own strengths. Paul could say, follow me as I follow Christ. But the same Apostle Paul, greatest preacher who ever lived, could also say, I am the chief among sinners. He was able to own up to his own sin. And he even wrote it down for posterity so that 2,000 years later, we're still reading about his own faults that he owned up to. So courage, men, is owning up to your own sin. And maybe you need to do that today. Maybe today you need to come before God and own up to your sin and say, God, forgive me of my sins. Before you take that nap this afternoon, maybe you need to gather your wife and kids around and say, you know what? I've been a jerk. Forgive me. Number two, I show courage by standing up for what is right. 1 Corinthians 16, 13 is one of my favorite verses. In fact, uh, I've preached this on Father's Day before. Here's what 1 Corinthians 16, 13 says. Watch, every one of you. You need to be watching out. The devil is setting traps every day for you. So you need to watch. Stand fast in the faith. Stand firm in the faith. Know what you believe and stand on that. Be what? Be courageous and be strong. So we become courageous, strong men when we are standing fast in the faith, standing for what is right. Today, very few Christians are willing to stand up for what is right. In a world where tolerance is valued 
more than truth and where people even doubt the existence of right and wrong. And the whole of society says what's good for you may not, may not be good for me. Many Christians are afraid to stand up for truth. We're afraid if we stand up for what is right and we stand firm on the faith, we're going to be labeled as narrow-minded or old-fashioned or judgmental or out-of-date. Let me prove that to you. This past week, in your own life, I'm talking to you, okay, every one of you, even balcony dwellers, you. This past week, probably, where you work or maybe in your neighborhood or maybe in your own family or somewhere in your life, you saw something happening that was wrong. You saw somebody do something that was wrong. You knew it was wrong, and yet you said nothing about it. You simply remained silent. You didn't speak up. You didn't point it out. You didn't confront it. You just remained silent. Probably in your mind, you justified your silence with something like this. Well, I, I know that is wrong because the Bible says it's wrong, but who am I to judge? Okay? Who am I to judge? Do you understand the contradiction between those two statements? I know this is wrong. I know what this person is doing is wrong, but who am I to speak up? I know that that person is messing up their life, but it's none of my business. I know that that person is ruining their family, but that's not my responsibility. Are you sure about that? Are you sure it's not your responsibility? If you're a Christian, okay, if you're a believer, if you believe this is the Word of God, there's a verse that you need to hear out of Ezekiel chapter 3, verse 18. Ezekiel chapter 3, 18. Here's what God says. If you don't speak out to warn the evil person to leave his evil ways, he will die in his sin. Now let's stop right there and make sure we get this. God is saying, here's a person who's lost. They're evil. They're not following God. In the New Testament, they've never been born again. If that person lives out their life without ever receiving the good news of salvation, you know what's going to happen to them. They're going to die in their sin. They're going to, look at me, they're going to split hell wide open. They will spend eternity in hell fire. Do we have that? Do we understand that? That's what if you don't warn them, if you don't tell them, they're going to go to hell. And here's what God says, and I will hold you responsible for their death. <laughs> Man. Back up here. You're thinking, God, are you being serious about this? I can remember Jason when I was at Southwestern Seminary, took uh, the prophet Ezekiel class. My professor spent an entire lesson, one whole hour, on this one verse. He, he, this is the only verse he spent the whole day on. But in that class, we spent the whole day on this one verse because he is convinced this is a verse that every Christian needs to understand and every church needs to have in proper perspective. Th this is our responsibility. People are dying and going to hell. The only way they're going to hear is when we tell them. And if we just keep our mouth shut... 
God says, I'm holding you responsible for that. To to me, this is one of the most sobering verses in all of the Bible. This verse sends a chill up and down my spine. The Bible says, if I know the truth, if I know the difference between right and wrong, and I see somebody out there messing up their life and blowing it and doing the wrong thing, and I say nothing to them about that, that the consequence of that wrong action, God's going to hold me responsible for. Can you say, wow? Now, let, let me make this real to you. All of us in this room, if you're awake and you're listening to me, raise your hand. Okay, Everybody, please, raise your hand. Okay, everybody whose hand's raised. All of us in this room, all of us know someone who's messing up their lives. Honestly, if we just open our eyes, we know people who are destroying their lives. Why? Because they're ignoring God. They're ignoring God's will for their lives. They're thumbing their nose to God. They're saying to God, you know what? I'm going to be my own God. I'm going to do it my own way. We all have friends like that. All of us have someone in our family like that, relatives like that, co-workers, maybe somebody in your neighborhood, maybe someone you've gone to school with. They're messing up their life, and we are doing nothing about it. And in a crowd this size, I am sure that everyone, every one of us knows at least someone who is involved in some kind of substance abuse, whether it's alcohol or drugs Many of you right here today know someone who is messing up their marriage with an affair. And if they haven't had the sexual affair yet, you see it coming because you see the flirtation and you've not done anything about it. You may know someone who is cheating either in their business or cheating the government. You may know someone who is stuck in the addiction of pornography and you see it ruining their life and they can't get out of it. And you have said nothing about it. And the excuse that you give yourself is, well, they seem to be doing okay. Or they seem to be happy. Or here's the big one. Who am I to judge? And I think all of us are afraid to confront anybody because of that one right there. Who am I to judge? Because we know what's going to happen if we confront someone with their sin. They're going to bow up and say, well, who are you? And we know we've messed up. Are you with me? But I'm here to tell you, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, there are times in your life when out of love, you've got to care enough to confront people. But look at me. You do it out of love. You don't point your finger and you're not judgmental. Because let me tell you what, you've messed up too. Who without sin can cast the first stone? You've all messed up. But out of love, you confront. There must be times when you say to that friend or that family member or to the spouse or to the parent or somebody that you care about, you know what? You know what, dude? I I love you. And because I love you, I've got to tell you, you're blowing it. I see that you're messing up your life. You're making a major mistake. You're going down the wrong path. And and, and I've just got to tell you, I love you too much to let you blow it. And I'm not going to let you do that. 
because I care about you and because I love you, I am going to confront you with this sin. And I know it may put a strain on this relationship, but you know what? I'm still going to do it because I love you. That's hard to do. As a pastor, I've had to do that a bunch of times. And can I tell you something? It doesn't always work out the way I want it to. I've got a whole list of people who will never talk to me again, probably. At least they haven't talked to me in years. Because I've had to confront them about something in their life. But you know what? It doesn't matter because I love that person. And and I don't want to see them go down that spiral. And I want to see them in heaven. But it doesn't always turn out bad. I mean, more times it's turned out good. Because the Holy Spirit is working and, and God is He's in there working in their life. And you know what? They just need to be confronted. You know? Are you with me? Yeah. But you got to care enough to do it. I, I told the first service people, if, if I went home, let's, let's say it's Christmas time. I've been up at the church and, and I go home to Cary Lane. And I pull down the street and I see flames coming out of my house. My house is on fire. And, and the whole family's there. It's Christmas time. So Angie's there. Whitney and Tyler. Little Ella Jane. Callie and Zane are in the house. And, and it's on fire. Let me tell you, even if fire is billowing out of the windows and doors, Michael, I'm going to bust through there and do everything I can to save them. Why? Because I love them. I might die in the process, but you know what? Love knows no boundaries. The press might call me a hero. The fire department might call me crazy. Other people might call me anything they want to call me. But you know what? I don't care. Because I love my family. And so here it is, guys. You've got to love people. You've got to take a stand on the truth and out of love care enough about people to confront people. But can I just back up and say this? Before you go confront anybody, you need to do two things. You need to make sure your life is clean. And you need to pray for the Holy Spirit to help you. (laughs) Not only for you to speak the truth, but for the Holy Spirit to be working in their lives as well, to hear the truth. Number three, guys, I show courage when I speak up for Christ. 2 Timothy 1, 7 and 8 says, For God has not given us a spirit of fear but of power and love and of a sound mind. Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord. I love the way the uh, New Century Version translates that last phrase. It says, don't be ashamed to tell other people about the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? I mean, don't be ashamed to tell other people about your Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Don't be ashamed. 1 Peter 3.15, Peter said, and if someone asks about your hope as a believer, always be ready to explain it. But do this in a gentle and respectful way. Okay, let me tell you, if you're letting your light shine and you're being salt in a corrupt society, people are going to ask you about your faith. Okay? They're going to. If you take a stand, you speak up for Jesus, people are going to engage you and ask you about you know, what, what's going on in your? Why are you different? Why do you see that from a different perspective? Why did you go on that missions trip? Why did you do that for those people? Angie sat by a guy on the airplane last night and, and uh, man, uh, got an earful, didn't you? You heard his story. He took a nap and then he woke up and said, I need to tell you another story, <laughs> you know? 
But the reason why he, he engaged with Angie is because she told him what she was doing. She spoke to him of faith, and she was able to witness to him. So here's the deal. You be ready. Be ready to be salt and light. God is going to give you opportunities. But when you do get to speak, notice what it says. Do it in a gentle and respectful way. You don't use the truth to beat people over the head with. This is not a gun that you fire at people. It's not a club. It's not a hammer. It's not a dagger that you stick in people. You do it in a gentle and respectful way. I know some of you are sitting there saying, you know what, I'd, I'd, love, to tell, I'd love to tell some of my family members about Jesus. I'd, I'd love to tell people at work about Jesus or in the neighborhood, but you know, I, I don't know enough about the Bible to do that. I've never been to Bible college. I've never been to seminary. I've never spent the time to, to memorize all of those verses. I, I, I just, I don't know enough to do it. Let me tell you something. You know enough. You really do. Can you say this? Jesus loves you. Say that with me. One, two, three. Jesus loves you. And, and God has a plan for your life. Now that wasn't hard, was it? Jesus loves you, and God has a plan for your life. It's not rocket science. And if you've been saved, you've got your own story that you can tell. Here's what you got to do. You've got to have courage to open your mouth <laughs> and speak it. God wants to use you. God wants to use you in the world right now. God is willing to use you if you're just willing to be used. God is looking for people to use. You know what? Look at me. Everybody look at me. I'm almost done. Look at me. You know all this. I haven't told you a single new thing today. You know everything that I've spoken to you. So it's not new. The real issue is this, though. Where are you going to get the courage to do what you already know to do? Where are you going to get the courage to stand up when you need to stand up? Where are you going to get the courage to speak up when you need to speak up? Well, let me finish by giving you three keys, three steps. These are three things you can do that will ratchet up your courage, that will give you boldness to be strong and courageous. Write them down. Here they are. Number one, you need to go public with your faith. Okay? Everybody look at me. Look at me. Say public. Go public with your faith. We talked about this the last couple of weeks, being salt and being light. People you're around, they need to know that you're a Christian. By your communication, by your witness, you need to speak up for Jesus. You, you need to let people know that you're a member of Kavanaugh Church. Now listen, you don't, you don't let them know unless you're living the life. Are you with me? Okay? You let them know through the life you're living that you're a Christian, that you're a member of Kavanaugh Church. And all of this begins with baptism. Let me tell you, it takes courage to be baptized. Because you're publicly confessing your faith. That's where it begins. I like the little boy who asked his pastor one day, Pastor, when can I be advertised? <laughs> because that's really what baptism is. It's going public with your faith. And so you let people know you're saved. You have a Bible on your desk. Okay? You freely share your faith. You talk about church. Number two. Not only go public with your faith, but you pray for boldness. You ask God to give you courage. 
Even the apostle Paul did this. Paul says, pray and ask God to give me the right words so that I can boldly tell others about the Lord. So here's what you do. You ask God for courage. You pray for boldness. And then number three, you expect God to use you. You make yourself available. You go public with your faith. You pray for courage. And every morning you get up thinking, you know what? God is going to use me today. And he will. Here's what the Bible says. Be strong and courageous. Don't be afraid or discouraged. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Do you believe that? Man, I do. So go public. Pray for boldness. And expect God to use you. The question is this. Men, dads, fathers, guys. Do you have enough courage this morning to take that first step across the line? Owning up to your own sin, standing up for what is right, and speaking out for Jesus Christ.